Hello there and welcome to episode 43 of Near Perfect Pitch. Lots in store this uh, this program for the next three hours or so. I'll start off by informing you that uh, this program is brought to you by Boy Racer, Stuart Anderson and the Bourbon Biscuit. Uh, and Stuart is our uh, feature interview of the week. Stuart is uh, effectively Boy Racer amongst several other guises and uh, you will find out just how much of a dark horse Stuart actually is when you listen to the interview in its entirety at the end of the programme. So Boy Racer Stuart Anderson is forthcoming. That's in about uh, two and a half hours time. If you're going to be listening to the whole uh, programme in sequence without skipping, which you're not allowed to do, um, there are going to be some new releases that I'll be sharing with you. Uh, some new Neon Waltz, which is just stellar. Uh, the new Liam Gallagher, which I'm sure you've already heard, but it's certainly worth another play. Uh, new by the Brittle Society from Liverpool. Uh, new Amber Arcades from the Cannonball EP. Um, what else are we going to be hearing in terms of new? Well, not really new, but uh, the Kooks have a new uh, best of and uh, we'll revisit uh, one of their uh, their singles from the past to rekindle just how good uh, the Kooks were and still are. They're still making records, and uh, that's why they've called this compilation uh, the best of so far. Implications for more records, I would assume. I'm um, going to hear some uh, some nice old stuff mixed in with some new stuff, which usually is is what I do on a, on a regular basis. You'll be hearing the likes of uh, the Wolfhounds, ch- some Chumbawamba. You'll be hearing some Stella Grundy, some House of Love, some Saint Etienne. But uh, kicking things off uh, this week, we're going to be hearing uh, something from Manchester's The Cortinas. This is from their first LP, the first of five LPs. Uh, the LP concerned is Saint Jude, released in uh, 2000. And here's a wonderful LP track entitled Fallowfield Hillbilly. Why do you compensate for the fact that you're clearly all so very 
Saint Etienne. That's their fifth single from 92 on Heavenly Records. And it was a single that was released uh, between their first two LPs. So uh, after Fox Space Alpha and before uh, So Tough. It uh, was released as a double A-side uh, with People Get Real uh, on the B. Um, Heavenly didn't want... Um, people get real to be released in any way, shape or form. Uh, so Saint Etienne uh, recorded this intentionally uber, uber fay song, um, Join Our Club, uh, so it could house People Get Real on the B-side. Trivia fest for you. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, at the top of the programme, we heard from the, uh, the first LP uh, by the Cortinas entitled St Jude from 2008. And that's a wonderful, oh sorry, a wonderful LP track entitled uh, Fallowfield Hillbilly. And if you want for lyrics, Liam Frey does have a propensity to write uh, a very good lyric. And if you do listen to the lyrics of that particular song, very witty, very dark, and, well, in keeping with his his usual form. Uh, But uh, the Fallowfield hillbilly reference, and uh, can you you play guitar, can you, uh, F-U-C-K, wonderful, wonderful lyrics. And he wrote, um, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com is the uh, email by which you can get in touch to uh, suggest, coax, goad... Um, you can do any number of things, uh, but do request songs because sometimes uh, uh, my creative uh, abilities uh, are lacking and I do need a bit of external impetus because uh, curating a programme every week, sometimes you get that kind of snowblind vision where you stand in front of a wall of records and CDs and start to panic thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to play? Right, and what I can tell you though, what is coming up next is a B-side from uh, The Cheek's third single from uh, 2009 um, the single uh, was uh, entitled Hung Up and this is a, a song called In For The Kill um, and uh, just as, as a reminder stay tuned all the way through wonderful wonderful interview with uh, with Stuart uh, from Boy Racer and uh, I don't think I've laughed so much in a long old while and uh, when you do uh, listen to it at the end I'm sure you'll be able to suss out why indeed I was uh, having some uh, some side splitting antics uh, yesterday uh, when I was chatting with him Yeah. 
from 1990. That's Revenge from their really their only record to date. If you want to split hairs, because the uh, the record itself, entitled um, One True Passion, released in in '90, uh, has been re-released as a V2 version with extra tracks, etc., etc. And the only other album they have is a uh, rather rare uh, live compilation that didn't really get an awful lot of distribution and is very, very hard to find. Um, so, off the debut record, that's their first of three singles from that LP One True Passion. Revenge being Peter Hook of New Order uh, and most notably David Potts who went on to form Monaco with him after the demise of Revenge and that's, uh, the, as I say, the first of three singles and that's uh, Pineapple Face. Whew, that's a mouthful. And uh, prior to hearing Pineapple Face, we heard In For The Kill by The Cheek, who are no longer, unfortunately. Uh, they were around as Cheeky Cheek and The Nosebleeds before changing their name to The Cheek. And that's uh, the B- a B-side, sorry, of uh, their third single entitled uh, In For The Kill. And the single concerned, their third one, which I've played on the programme, uh, is Hung Up. New stuff uh, on Heavenly Records by Amber Arcades from... I think uh, she's uh, she's Dutch, I believe. Um, I'll double-check that for you. And uh, the new EP is entitled Cannonball. Five tracks. You can snag it from uh, the Heavenly Records site. You can get it on the usual digital repositories. Uh, and in the show notes, as I do, uh, with indie uh, and, and acts that have merchandise available through through their own portals, I will always share that with you. So amberarcades.bandcamp.com, facebook.com slash amberarcades. And uh, you can go straight to the record label as well, heavenlyrecordings.com slash author slash amber hyphen arcades. Here's a song entitled It Changes off this brand new EP, this new five tracker entitled Cannonball. Hope you enjoy it.
That's the quite brilliant, the Parachute Men. That's their third single, all the way back from 1989 on Fire Records, and a song entitled Lead Station, The Place of My Birth. And before we heard the Parachute Men, we heard Amber Arcade, who indeed is Dutch, and uh, she's flitted between uh, Holland, uh, the US, notably Philly, LA, New York, and, uh, and the UK. And she's all over the shop. But that is off her latest uh, release, her um, her latest EP. And that's pulled off the EP entitled Cannonball, and the song was It Changes. So we've heard the Cortinas, Saint Etienne, Cheek, Revenge, Amber Arcades, and the Parachute Men thus far. We're going to stay in Leeds, and we're going to hear some more Chumbawamba. <laughs>
our weekly peel track for this week and that is micro disney from september um 1984 and that's a peel version of the horse overboard micro disney uh cathal cochran and uh, sean o'hagan cathal cochran has gone on to uh, fatima mansions and sean o'hagan uh, most notably with um I've drawn a blank. What's the name of his band? Oh my goodness me! I'll come back to me. It will come back to me. Uh, and prior to hearing uh, the wonderful uh, horse overboard, we heard Salt Fair North Sea by Chumbawamba from their tenth LP from 2002. The LP uh, Ready Mates, and the song is a bit of a history because Chumbawamba are a very intelligent bunch, and uh, they're always uh, moaning and complaining. 
for good bloody reason. In this case, uh, a bit of a history lesson, the British Navy, guardian of the sea-bound British establishment, almost became its destroyer when sailors demanded rights in the mutinies at Spithead and the Nore in 1797. Sailors were always the archetypal enemy within. The word strike itself comes from militant sailors' tendency to strike the sails when warring with the Admiralty. There you are, you learned something today. Next, it's time for our obligatory fall ah track of the week. And again, as I always say, it's a beauty. Yeah. 
hidden Sometimes we wobble Sometimes we're strong But you know evil Is an exact science Carefully, correctly wrong
that's the nice extended 12-inch mix of Shriekback's Nemesis. That's the first single pulled off their third LP, 1985's Oil and Gold. And uh, the, the genesis of, uh, of Shriekback uh, really began when, when Barry Andrews left XTC to form the band in uh, the early 80s. And um, they did have a few uh, indie hits, as it were, along the way. Uh, and I think their latest release is as recent as... Uh, 2015. So uh, there is some activity there, but uh, truth be told, their early stuff was really, really good. Uh, And I must say the quality kind of dissipated over the years, but that in its own right is a beauty. And again, that's Nemesis by Shriekback, preceded by our obligatory fall R track of the week from uh, the fall's 16th LP on Matador Records entitled Middle Class Revolt. That is a beauty. Hey, student. Uh, and again, from 1994, another remix, well, not a remix in the same vein as the Shriek Mac, but a remix nevertheless, this time, The House of Love. Yeah. 
So here you live, trapped inside the days, your pen, moving across the page, back to where it has begun.
Well, that's the the with their uh, limited edition record store day 7-inch, which really isn't, and I'll explain. I did uh, moan and complain about the uh, ridiculous um, unavailability of this particular record. 2,000 were pressed on 7-inch for the entire globe. Um, And uh, it took uh, Matt Johnson uh, visiting eBay on a few occasions to see uh, the record changing hands for uh, 10 and 20 times its actual um, its actual listed price, uh, which impelled him to, uh, against his better judgment initially, to release the single digitally. So if you didn't manage to get the 7-inch, go to your iTunes, go to your Google Play, go to your Spotify's where you can listen to it. You can uh, hear or download uh, We Can't Stop What's Coming by The The, which incidentally is a track that he wrote for his uh, his brother Andrew, a.k.a. Uh, Andy Dog, who did uh, the vast majority of The The's and, uh, and Matt's uh, album artwork and uh, and touring uh, artwork and, and t-shirts anything that really was officially associated in an artistic capacity with the band Andy Dog uh, generally uh, took care of it all uh, so he sadly passed away last year and Matt's already lost his uh, his younger brother he's now lost his older brother uh, and um, that song was dedicated uh, to Andy um, prior to hearing uh, the new single by The The we heard from 1990 on Fontana Records a remixed version of uh, Beatles and the Stones, this particular remix uh, on the single on Fontana Records, remixed by Dave Bascom and appears on the uh, House of Love record, which is most familiarly uh, referred to as uh, the Butterfly album, because the House of Love have uh, at least three records that are self-titled and it can get quite confusing for some of us anyway, and for amnesiacs like me particularly. So next, a request. This is for John. And I don't even know where John's from, but uh, not that it's massively important, but it's just nice to know where people are listening. Uh, John wants to hear the Wendy's, and I will uh, dutifully play him something in just a moment after I've reminded you that uh, nearperfectpitch.com is the place where you can go to uh, get your ducks in a row. You can get your listening uh, uh, all lined up by choosing iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or... Podbean. You can even listen through ckcufm.com, which is where I record the show on a weekly basis. I'm sitting here right now uh, in University Tower in Ottawa at Carlton University at uh, CKCUFM. And uh, needless to say, my thanks go to all concerned for the use of the studio and being able to produce this programme on a weekly basis. Here's the Wendy's.
that's the latest and greatest from Neon Waltz. That's Heavy Heartless, and you can get that single digitally at any number of uh, digital repositories. And that was preceded by, from 1991, a request on Factory Records uh, for the Wendy's, and that's the LP version of The Sun's Gonna Shine For Me Soon. Uh, and that's their second single. They only had three. That was slap bang in the middle, and that was preceded by uh, some uh, The The and some The House of Love. Now, I did mention at the beginning of the programme that there is a new compilation uh, released just this week, uh, The Kooks, uh, Best Of So Far. And I'm going to play for you a song that is featured on the record, their 10th single that appears on their third LP from 2011, uh, entitled uh, Junk of the Heart. We're going to hear a particular tune entitled Is It Me? Is it me? Is it you? Is it the times we're living through? Was it hard when I had to leave? That day you seemed to change We all need someone to guide us Someone to introduce the show I need someone just like you Someone to let me know I can lose it Survive! 
tell me to mind Nothing can come between us When it gets dark, throw my heart away Standing by the parking meter When I caught a glimpse of Rita Filling in a ticket in a little white book In the cab, she looked much older And the back across her shoulder Made her look a little like a woman Lovely Rita, meet her man
that's a tidy little hat trick for you. Some Cities, that's Dubs, the title track off their uh, third LP released in 2005, preceded by uh, a lovely little uh, cover version of a compilation that was released in 1988 through the New Musical Express, The Enemy. Uh, you could send away for a cassette or an LP of the uh, the uh, wonderful Sergeant Pepper Knew My Father compilation, uh, featuring uh, in sequence uh, the three wise men, Wet Wet Wet, the Christians, the wedding present with Amelia Fletcher, uh, Hue and Cry, uh, Billy Bragg with Cara Tivy, Frank Sidebottom, Sonic Youth, Courtney Pine Quartet, Michelle Shocked, the Triffids, the three wise men, and the fall. So uh, I'm lucky enough to have one of uh, 50 uh, CD promos that were uh, doing the rounds, uh, and um, they do um, they do change hands for um, firstborn child type uh, amounts of money. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll put it back in a safe when I get back home. Uh, the song that we heard uh, because of the the uh, the re-release. Uh, upon the anniversary of, of, of Sergeant Pepper, the repackaging, the remixing, and the fleecing of, uh, of the fan base. Um, I wanted to uh, allude to that in some way, shape, or form, and that was Michelle Shocked. Uh, that was around the time of her uh, campfire tapes when she was just taking off career-wise, when she was on cooking vinyl records, and that's her rendition of uh, lovely Rita, a meter maid, if you want uh, the extended moniker. And before that, uh, we heard The Kooks, uh, a feature track off uh, the best of so far we heard a, a track off their third LP of uh, Junk of the Heart from 2011 their tenth single uh, Is It Me as featured on uh, the best of so if you are not uh, uh, in possession of any material by the Kooks that would be a very good place to start the uh, recent released uh, the Kooks best of so far uh, so that's a tidy tidy little hat trick are you ready?
that's the Wolfhounds, and that's Happy Shopper. That's from 1989 on Midnight Music, their eighth single, and that uh, was preceded by As If It Needs uh, Any Kind of Introduction Whatsoever. That's uh, Liam Gallagher with uh, Wall of Glass, which was released just a few days ago, and uh, loads and loads of uh, instances of posturing towards uh, the reformation of Oasis, which I I believe is is very firmly plunked upon the shoulders of Noel, uh, whether he wants to or not. I personally, uh, re- despite being a massive fan and a completist, all that, all that nonsense, I just think some things are just best left alone. Uh, and I fear for reunions uh, most of the time. And uh, I, in a similar vein, I do do in this instance. I just don't think it would be a good idea. Uh, Noel's solar material is quite stellar, uh, so let's uh, hear more of that. Thanks very much, and see if no- uh, Liam can align himself with uh, some similar-minded uh, uh, musicians to be able to do a better job. I'd hasten to say, uh, than BDI, which was just okay at best, I hate to say, uh, whereby Noel has uh, taken his career onwards and upwards. Liam's been uh, treading water, if you like, uh, for quite some time now. Um, What's that noise that I can hear? Hang on a minute. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's Tinterweb time, kids. Uh, And this week... I've got a wonderful site that uh, I uh, came across by looking for some images on Instagram through some hashtags and came across this particular site and it is the site of Optic Nerves, uh, sorry, Optic Nerve Recordings.com uh, based, and I'll take my glasses off here because uh, the monitor is too blurry, based in Cumbria in the far north of England, Optic Nerve Records is a reissue label specialising in releases from the 80s and 90s that started out in uh, 2012, although our first release can be traced back to 1997 we had a 15 year hiatus uh, mainly vinyl but occasionally CDs we attempt to bring back some long-forgotten gems and undiscovered classics that by and large reflect our eclectic tastes. And they do just that, so I'm just going to rifle through the catalogue here for you. So the latest uh, additions to to the family, they have added two 14 Iced Bears records from uh, 25 plus years ago. Um, There is the, um, the Wonder double LP, and there is the self-titled debut, uh, both as uh, double LP formats. Uh, other other bands that you might be interested in, if you are a, a vinyl uh, collector and uh, it's your bag, um, you can find some work by the Wolfhounds. Fancy that, we just heard them, didn't we? Uh, there's a, there's a, a litany of uh, other stuff, including uh, the Waltones, uh, there's Test Parks, uh, the monochrome set are quite well represented, as uh, as our pot will eat itself. Uh, there's uh, some catalogue here from McCarthy, which was uh, Tim Gaines before uh, before uh, Stereo Lab and uh, all of those electronic shenanigans. Uh, the House of Love deluxe vinyl box, which is unfortunately sold out, but absolutely sumptuous stuff. That was a sixty-nine pounder. Uh, the Flatmates, uh, the 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 hits uh, compilation uh, entitled uh, uh, Potpourri. If you're in, into uh, the proper the proper dialect and and uh, and uh, pronunciation, and there's Cud, Leggy Mambo, amongst others, a wonderful little site with about a repertoire of a 
about 25 releases, but steadily adding to the repertoire. And as I go to Coming Soon, it's just alluding to the fact that the 40 Nice Bears is, is the next release. So remember it, opticnerverecordings.com. If you're a, a vinyl aficionado, uh, a lot of this stuff is, uh, well, all of it that's uh, been released thus far has been long out of print, especially uh, on vinyl, and their repackaging is quite gorgeous and uh, an immense amount of care and attention to detail has been invested by uh, the fine people at, uh, at the record company concerned. So that is Tinterweb time for this week. What have we got coming up next? We've got, uh, we've got some blue aeroplanes. And uh, after the blue aeroplanes, we might get a bit wacky and uh, get some Arthur Lee on for you.
Love, i.e. Arthur Lee and Love and uh, Alone Again or a single that came out in 68 uh, off the 67 LP preceded by Bristol's The Blue Aeroplanes with Her and uh, that's off the compilation uh, entitled Her, uh, The Best of the Blue Aeroplanes 1987 to 1992 it wasn't actually a single, it was uh, an album track but uh, I suppose the name suits, doesn't it? Um, next, we've got some new stuff from Liverpool but before we get there, uh, just to remind you we're nearly at the end of the programme when it comes to the musical content, aside from our Essential Wax, which is uh, around the corner, as is our uh, feature interview with uh, Stuart Anderson. And uh, interestingly enough, for the first time this week, um, uh, in the past I've, I've um, asked uh, artists to curate their own music, i.e. what would you like me to play? Uh, in this instance, uh, I did the same thing with Stuart, but he's took it a step further. He's going to have a little bit of banter uh, before each uh, of the three releases he has chosen to showcase uh, and add a little bit more interest level to it. So uh, take note, 
So stay tuned, obviously, for that. But up next, uh, we're going to go to Liverpool and hear the latest single uh, by the Vril Society. And this is Sacred Flight. Scratch and tear 
with every part of me I shall resign There comes a time Place both these hands In pure loneliness I'm not afraid For it's all that I have known To be and fly Towards safe and sane Give me my reins I shall resign There comes a time Walk forth, forth to meet the fatal night. We must be there. I shall be there. I'm walking now. There comes a time. The tears are gone The pain is over now Leave this here carcass Carcass to which The way he lies My soul is mine Not torn to shreds I have my reins There Martin Stevenson and his dainties. There comes a time. That's from Gladsome, Humour and Blue. And the reason I'm playing it is that Martin's in the studio right now uh, re-recording the record 
to be uh, released, hopefully, uh, by the end of the summer or even sooner. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, the record that uh, this particular song was pulled off, Gladsome Humour and Blue, is my favourite Martin Stevenson record. There are lots. And if you listen to the show regularly, you will have heard me talking with Martin uh, quite a long time ago. I'll grant you that, probably about 10 months ago. But uh, hoping to get him back on the programme because he is just a lovely soul. And I'd love to do a catch up with him especially with regards to this record and uh, some recent goings on um, and before we heard uh, Martin we heard the Riddle Society with their latest and greatest on Delta Sonic Records uh, called uh, Secret Flight you can uh, visit them at deltasonicrecords.co.uk and uh, do a search for Vril Society that's V-R-Y-L-L or you can go to uh, facebook.com the Vril Society Right, you are. Um, a few. So- oh, no, I'll start again, shall I? Uh, a few songs to get to before we get into uh, the chit chat with Stuart. It's time for our uh, essential wax feature, and I'll start by playing a tune and then uh, explaining what uh, what it's all about after the first track, and then get into the second track, and then we're nearly, nearly ready for Stuart. Oh 
Only Shallow, one of two singles off the My Bloody Valentine Essential Wax LP of the week, Loveless on Creation Records from 1991. Now this record is kind of legendary in uh, in the world of shoegaze, uh, being that A, uh, Kevin Shields and his My Bloody Valentine are kind of crown princes of, of the shoegaze movement, but uh, also notoriously this record uh, was uh, rumoured and still is to have been the, the, the major contributing force to uh, uh, contributing to the, the overall demise of Creation Records, its bankruptcy, um, because uh, the last count that, that I know of from a reliable source said that the, the record was pushing over £350,000 at the time uh, in terms of an investment. Uh, the record was recorded uh, between um, 89 uh, and 91 and ostensibly uh, produced by Kevin himself, uh, aided and abetted by uh, Colm, uh, a band member, uh, the drummer. Uh, and... Uh, to critical acclaim, I would hasten to say, although it has been re-released since uh, and remastered uh, and has consequently sold more records second time around. That often happens with re-releases, especially with uh, people who are... Uh retracing steps and trying to uh, rediscover musical history and, and, and try and uh, learn more, just learn more in general about the wonderful world of music because it's a perpetual education. Anyway... We'll hear another song off the record in the hopes that if you don't already own it, uh, the next track will impel you to do so. Uh, the next track is uh, a well-documented single, and uh, the, the remix of this by Andy Weatherall, to me, is the best dance track of all time. But this is the regular, plain old LP version of Soon.
My Bloody Valentine with soon the last track of their second LP, our featured LP, our Essential Wax of the Week, Loveless from 1991. And uh, we're nearly, nearly ready for Stuart Anderson. We've got uh, one more track to listen to before then, uh, and it's kind of poignant. Um, yesterday was just terrible uh, in, in terms of another atrocious attack uh, this time again in, in the UK um, I, I just I've just ran out of words to be frank uh, but, but I'd, I'd feel terribly remiss if I didn't at least allude to it in some way shape or form uh, during the course of, of the program uh, spent uh, much like a lot of uh, other folk was glued to the telly last night uh, and just I don't know just very very saddened and shaking my head at the, the predicament that we have uh, found ourselves in on this uh, spinning sphere of lunacy anyway here's some blur london loves
from 1994's Parklife. That's Blur with London Loves, an LP track and a song of poignance. Now it's time to hand you over to the curation of Stuart Anderson. He's uh, picked three tunes, complete with uh, a bit of banter, a bit of introduction. Uh, so I'm going to play two of them in a row for you now. Then I'll be back to uh, set up the interview. So enjoy yourselves. All right, how's it going? All right, uh, so Dara asked me to pick three tracks from some recent emotional response releases and talk about them a little bit and play them for you. And the first track I'm going to pick is by Florence Reynal. And this is a single that we released today. And it's her first single. Florence is was the singer in Croc Madame. I'm not sure if they exist as a band still anymore, but... Um, we put out a Croc Madame LP last year in October, and it was the first recordings that she'd been on. Um, apparently she's a pizza chef, so this was her first foray into playing in a band and recording. And most delightful chanteuse French pop, um, and one of the masterminds behind the music is Rob Story, who has played in a bunch of late 70s, early 80s DIY art punk bands, the Orchestra Murphy, Murphy Federation, Murphy Working Stiffs, lots of bands with Murphy in the title. Anyway, um, Rob's a bit of an unsung art punk hero, for me at least. Uh, he's released some incredible songs over the past three decades and well worth poking around and finding a bit more out about him. But um, anyway, I'm going to play the A-side from this delightful three-track seven-inch single, from Florence Reynal, and uh, hope you enjoy. It's in, it's in French, by the way, but don't let that put you off. It's really good. Le temps Ici, 
Oh yeah, so what about that, eh? That was Florence Raynau, and that's from her debut single that we just put out. Uh, and we've been putting out a lot of female-fronted music recently. We did a couple of compilations under the name of Typical Girls. The idea being, of course, there are no typical girls. Um, just, I just wanted to make that apparent, if that wasn't clear. But um, one of the bands that was on the last volume, volume two that we just released, was a band called Sus Cunts. Very rude name i suppose but uh, a lot of people seem to enjoy the fact that it has the c word in the band title because uh been getting a lot of interest for them but um we also just released a five song seven inch by them and they are from melbourne australia three fine young ladies who make a wonderful racket and this is from their debut single and this is a track called get laid nicely set us up for the interview hasn't it so without any further ado it's over to uh, pseudo me and Stuart for uh, the interview itself and I'll be back afterwards uh, to tie things up and uh, say my goodbyes hello how about now well I think I think we have contact Stuart We, yeah, well, we've connected regardless. So, <clears throat> how are things in uh, Arid, Arizona? Uh, pretty good. I I wasn't ex- expecting a, an English bloke on the end of the line, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. When you called just then, I'm like, oh, I had no idea you were English. Where, well, uh, where are you from? Well, funnily enough, I was born in your neck of the woods. I was born in Leeds. Yeah, not not quite Weatherby, but uh, you know, n- near enough. 
and uh, was a bit nomadic after that. Went to Loughborough Grammar School, sort of got my roots in in Cheshire, but very much, uh, very much uh, a northwesterner. That's for sure. Oh right, right. I I, I have friends in Loughborough. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. I went to the grammar school there, and uh, yeah, there's a big. Obviously, the uni's uh, the big PE university. So anyone who's remotely involved with uh, with PE tends to go to Loughborough or athletics or what have you. So. Uh, yeah, it's a nice little uh, nice little enclave between Nottingham and Leicester that's quite sleepy. Yes, yes. Well, the first record I ever put out was on a label based in Loughborough. I didn't know if you knew that. Was it was it to do with the one legged pine uh, one legged pineapple people the the the, the record shop there? Uh, no, well, maybe indirectly, but um, it was a, a little tiny label called Slust that were based in Loughborough. And they put out the first hook single also. I think um, you know you, you're fielding some some blanks for me because we're gonna we're gonna talk further. But you you are one of those individuals that uh, Wikipedia can only do so much. Whereby <laughs> we're trying to nail you down in terms of a, a concise CV. It's really really mm-hmm. dif- it's really quite difficult, and I'm sure that. Uh, even yourself, you uh, you have to say, hang on a minute. What what was that sequence? When did I do that? And, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure that your repertoire that there are some holes in in, in Wikipedia, um, but it is quite concise. It's concise, but it uh, I know it is not uh, the, the the ultimate rendition. But you know, I, I was having a, I was talking about you a couple of days ago, uh, talking to a friend, saying that I was hopefully going to be chatting with you for the next program, and uh, we both had a laugh over over. Um, wondering what you'd put on a business card because it would have to be one of those sorts of, one of those foldable concertina things that you sort of pulled out and it would be like uh, emotional response the English teeth 555 recordings boy racer and, and you know a list as long as your arm so yeah it, yes uh, yeah I guess I have done a lot of different things um <laughs> I should have probably just stuck to doing one. I'd probably be in a better financial position than I am if if, uh, if I'd have channeled all my energies into one thing. But um, but that was uh, ne- you know obviously never my intent from the get go. Um, I guess I am a little bit restless, and I just love playing with other people. It's you know it's exciting to keep doing different things, and um, you know just. You can you can rehash a tune with a bunch of different people and it ends up coming out completely differently. So well, you, the, yeah, well you you part of it all. So. Well, you you're the consummate collaborator. So you know you've already sort of hit the nail on the head with what I was going to going to talk about next. Because for instance, Boy Racer, but uh, you alluded to this being a labour of love. I mean, this is clearly a vocational thing for you because not many people get rich starting a record label. I think that's very well documented. Uh, but it's also cool. it's also very transparent with you and everything that you do, whether it's whether it's your social media or whether it's uh, official communiques uh, on, on the websites. You are, uh, well, you're an American now, so you can use an Americanism. You're all in, essentially, aren't you, Stuart? <laughs> I do still have my UK passport. I'm um, I'm keeping the door open in case in case I have to make a, 
take the exit at some point. So oh. I'm actually a permanent resident and not a citizen, so I can't vote. I did keep my um, English passport. Yes. With the with the idea that you know at some point my kids might want to go back. Yes. Uh, but now there's Brexit and there's, there's all general craziness in the world right now. So who knows whether that yeah. Well, I can certainly. Yeah, well, I certainly certainly appreciate that your uh, your circumstance because I you know I'm in Canada. I've got two Canadian kids, and um, of course, I, I I've got both passports, and I tend to travel with both in in the event oh, okay. that. Sorry. Oh, that's interesting. I've been told so many different things about the uh, dual citizenship, and I was told I can't have dual citizenship. I have to choose one or the other. Yes, my you... kids can. They can get um, they can get both passports, and yes. my wife can get an English passport if we live there for six months or more. But um, well, the American. But, but, but anyway, we're meant to be talking about pop music. I guess. Yeah, well, so, well, yeah, forget that. We'll, we'll save that. We'll save that for the travel show. Let's talk about pop music. Yeah. So, so boy racer to me. <laughs> So Boy Racer, to me, in, in, in following your career, and as I mentioned earlier, it, it's, I'm not saying it's a chore, but it's not like uh, uh, one record every two years. You've really got to be on your toes to keep up with your output. Um, right. I, I always got the sense that Boy Racer was, as you, again, you've already alluded to this, you keep stealing my thunder with all my questions, but you know, first and foremost, it sounds like you're having an awful lot of fun, and your friends primarily, and almost a band by happenstance. Absolutely, yes. That's pretty much it in a nutshell, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, and there's been so many different lineups with, you know, we've played in Japan and Australia and throughout Europe and the States, and there's, there's always been different people in the band out, um, just out of you know, basic necessity and to as a passport, you know, to, to travel. And yes. We actually did just get offered to play at um, the Oakland Pop Fest later in the year. And um, I'm kind of in two minds because I do keep saying, this is the last show we'll ever play. And then <laughs> a year later, it's like, oh, you, you should come and play this festival. There'll be a bunch of people there, you know. And it'll be a lot of fun. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that sounds kind of good. I guess I could, but um, I I think I <laughs> I think I may have to draw a line um in the sand somewhere with regards to Boy Racer. I I know it's always there if I wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, and and there's been over fifty different people that have been in Boy Racer over the years, so. Yeah, I was trying to do the maths on that actually, and and I lost count at about thirty five. So that, you know, I'm I'm guessing there's about the best part of fifty. Yes, yes, and there's been people that have toured with me and not been on records, and there's been people who've played on records just because they've been hanging out with us while we've been drinking and recording, and I've been like, hey, you should come play guitar on this. Yeah, and um, you know they've been in the band for a day maybe, but they've ended up on the record. Um, so it's always been a very loose and revolving door kind of uh, and and very early you yeah. know like 25 years ago when we were starting 
it, it was always like that. It was like, oh yeah, sure, you can play with us if you want. And, you know, I don't really care too much about musical proficiency. Um, you know, if you, if you want to hang out and have a few beers with us and make a bit of noise, then you're in. Basically, <laughs> it's as easy as that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty loose criterion. You want to hang out? Fantastic. Let's uh, let's 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 put this to tape type thing. No, because I mean, there's this. It's it's a wonderful career to map as as a music fan because to 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 nail you down, just boy racer alone, in terms of moving back back and forth. Forget label hopping. That's that's the easy bit. Uh, some of the musicals, <laughs> some of the musical styles by virtue of collaboration. Very very interesting for, for for the listening ear, and when when, when I listen to your music, um, I can by and large tell it if it's something that you've written, um, but uh, that's only half the battle because then then of course other people can deliver what you've written. Um, I, I've always been curious when it comes to, to to you because again nothing's formulaic with you. You're not doing things sort of by like cookie cutter. But but do you have uh, a process per se whereby you sit down and uh, how do you get that tune uh, how does it come to fruition for you <laughs> um, actually sit down and write a song I certainly honestly do never I never spend any amount of time re-editing anything that I've ever done Everything I've recorded has been three or four takes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, because I, I, I have this ideal, whether it's correct or not, that the first take is the true take, even if it's mistakes or it's sloppy. And as, as long as the drums are in time, the drums are the only things you can't get away with. You can get away with everything else on a recording. <laughs> yes, that's true. The drums need to be... Yeah. <laughs> they need to be well, segregated. You've got a pretty good drum take. You can, um, you you know, I I like to be kind of loose with the rest of stuff. Yeah. Um, on top of that, because um, uh, I I guess I just don't have a very good attention span because I don't like re-editing things. I hate remixing things. I'm really bad at going back and correcting myself. So most of the stuff I've ever recorded is, is littered with mistakes and at this point I definitely feel that that's my badge of honour or, or the way yeah. that, that I've ended up doing stuff. I mean, not, not that they would be mistakes to people who would, you know, unless you're very technically minded and... Yes, of course. But you know, you know, you know, this this philosophy that you've got, whether it's you know concerted or just organic, I, I get the sense that it's just it's just you all over, and there's nothing, there's no thought process. It's just how you do things. Um, typically, yeah, typic I yeah. I was going to say because I mean, because I, I talk, of course, to a lot of artists and have done over the years, and there are artists on the other end of the spectrum to yourself who are so overly <laughs> precious, whereby uh, the track is never done. Uh, they, exactly. they 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 could conceivably end their days in a padded cell because they just can't get that can't get that hi hat sound, you know. And that that right. that that's completely the polar opposite of where you you're coming from. Because I was curious also. I mean, typically, how many tracks are you using? I mean, I know that's a very generic question, but and I know you're not doing multi layered forty eight track stuff. So I'm just wondering, typically, how many tracks you get away with? Um, let's see. 
Uh, I usually, um, my recording setup now, I'll record six tracks of, of drums. There'll be two overheads, bass drum, snare drum, four tom, rack tom, right. and a couple of overheads. Um, so that's a pretty basic setup. And then I, I usually do end up doubling all the guitars. So if you typically there'll, there'll be a, a rhythm guitar and I'll, I'll double that. So there'll be two rhythm guitars. Right. And then there'll be two feedback guitars usually. Um, so it'll end up being four guitars. Right. Um, um, which it's a good recording tip, especially if you're recording acoustic guitar, you should always double an acoustic guitar and hard pound on yeah. each side. Well, I, I did. Yeah. I did take my audio engineering course about twenty years ago, and that's one of the few things that that stuck with me. Is that that, ten, that tends to be a good rule. That's funny. I actually do have a. Um, <laughs> I have a, a. I have a BSc and Bachelor of the Sciences in Recording Technology. Fantastic. Um, which uh, which I did. Let's see. I did this in nineteen ninety six. To 1999, so I was recording on ADAT and a whole. It was yes. right on the cusp of when digital recording was, you know, becoming the, the norm. Yes. So it was a really interesting time because people were ditching all their analog recording techniques. And, yeah. it, and the course that I did at the College of Music, it was a three-year course. It, it was all like, hey. Brand new recording equipment. Look at this ADAP machine, which was like a big glorified Betamax player. That's exactly and, uh, it. Yeah, I, I learned on that. I learned on that in 1991, and right. you know that was a time where you just sort of were dispensing with razor blades and, and tape. It was just sort of taken, exactly. taken over, wasn't it? Yes, yes. But but you know, I think that definitely flavoured my own approach. To, to making music because we'd have assignments to do and we'd literally spend three hours making up a snare drum. Yes. And I'd be like, I'm on, really? <laughs> like, it, it sounds like a snare drum, you know? It sounds, to get into it sounds like you're... Three you're hours with mic placement, just stick a mic on it and go. <laughs> yeah, then, then you know, then, then worry about it later. Yeah, I, I understand. I, I had that degree of impatience. I mean, whether it's impatience, I'm not quite sure. But um, there were people that would revel in mic positioning and, and they would take, you know, an inordinate amount of time just, you know, right. just, just, just mic in a bass drum. And whilst I understand the nuances, you know, Depending on the band, I mean, if you're not Jimmy Page, you can't make someone sound like Jimmy Page. Because I know you've been there when, when people come into the studio and say, yeah, yeah, they might as well say, oh, yeah, we can't play a lick and we're actually really talentless, but can you make us sound like Nirvana? Right, right. To, to which you just roll your eyes and go, yeah, lads, no problem. Just sort of, you know, just just do your thing and we'll sort it out for you. Of course, of course, right. of course it never happens. Right, right. So, so, you, yeah, so that, that's how you, you, you typically do your, uh, your tracking. That's very interesting. And, and it's also interesting to know that you, you come from both worlds. I mean, you're very familiar with analog. You've enveloped digital. And, and also, when it comes to, to, to the, the record label and, and the output, it's curious uh, to talk to, to someone who's been, been old school, who's, who's transitioned through the, uh, the so-called change and so it sounds like I'm right. talking, talk, talking about menopause, but you know what I mean. Uh, and and, and, sure. then, and then, then you're fully-fledged digital now, but you, we're talking about a record company and an ethic. 
uh, that, that you have done a wonderful job at maintaining as a boutique kind of uh, well, the boutique is a, is a word that's kind of bandied around a lot, but it's also an inclusive, it's almost like a, the old sub-pop singles club. You really feel a part of something. Is right, that... yeah, yeah. And, I, and I... I hope so. I mean, that's definitely my aim. And my own experience of being involved in the indie pop and the punk communities is yeah. that, you know, we all have more in common than, than things not in common, I, I, I guess. So, um, I... I do definitely consider a lot of the people that buy from us regularly. Um, you know, they're people that have come and stayed with us. They've been traveling through Arizona. You know, they've been buying records, mail order from us, and they're, hey, we're going to visit the Grand Canyon next week. Can we swing by? Sure, yeah, come stay. Fantastic. So, you know, yeah. So that happens actually pretty fairly regularly at this point. Um, because I guess because I've met so many people over the years that uh, they're all dialing in favors for us, you know. And they, maybe they know I'm, I'm good for a, a few beers in the fridge and a, and a bed at this point. I well, you also yeah, you also live in a place with a wonderful climate. So, oh, that's Nick down to Arizona, see Stuart. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're only two hours from the Grand Canyon, four hours from Vegas. So, uh, you're, yeah. you're well situated. But, but are, you in, are you in Flagstaff? Is that correct? Oh, hey, there was a big beeping sound and uh, you cut out. Really? Um, you, know, you know, something you are coming through clear as a bell. Uh, you know, just, just like, uh, I, actually, you know, you, you know that you were talking about your recording process. I, I record the podcast in one take. I don't edit anything. Um, there, there, there are those those in the podcasting community who do the meticulous post production. Um, I, I'm, I just let it roll, and I drop in an interview every week, and uh, like it or lump it type type thing. You could spend an eternity doing post production on any given podcast. So, um, but back to, back to what you're saying about uh, Arizona. Uh, are you in Flagstaff? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um... Now Here we are now. Um, I don't know whether I told you this or, or whether you realize this, but um, I work on a cattle ranch. So I'm actually a cowboy, and I work on a ranch as a cowboy at this point. And uh, I think I'm probably the only English cowboy in northern Arizona. Um, and everyone thinks I'm Australian because, you know, I, I look like a cowboy. I'm wearing a cowboy hat and a cowboy shirt. Brilliant. Uh, if I come to town after I've been at work, you know, to pick up groceries or whatever, and I'm kind of dusty, and, you know, check out people who serve me multiple occasions will say, are you from Australia or New Zealand? And I'm like, hey, two days ago, wearing my regular clothes, and I was very obviously an English guy. Yeah, yeah, I was I was an English post-punk guy. What's going on? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're the only uh, only Yorkshireman cowboy in the entire US. Bizarre. Possibly, I mean, you are, you are a dark you are a dark horse, Stuart, because I honestly didn't know that, and I nearly fell off my office chair to be frank when you said that. That's that's quite a revelation. Uh, hopefully, you've got to share you've got to share some snaps on social media with you, like. Uh, you know, lassoing a steer or whatever the heck it is you do up there. I, I, I can do that. Uh, you know, I, I castrate all the bull calves. Oh, um, crikey. You see, short job. Again. Um, uh, actually, what, a couple of years ago, 
I, after we've been branding, which is when you brand the car, you castrate them and air type them and um, right. basically sort the car. So I've been, we've been branding all day and I think I've castrated maybe a hundred bulk cars. And um, so when you castrate a, a bulk car, um, you have to physically cut the sack open and, and pull the testicles out. So I play, I put my knife, my open blade of my knife, in my armpit whilst I'm pulling the the uh, testicles out. So under my armpit and all over my shirt gets covered in dirt. Um, anyway, so I was driving home and I broke down driving home after I'd done a bunch of branding and castrating and uh, and nobody would stop. And then I was like, oh, of course nobody would stop. Look at me. I look like I just stabbed someone. I'm covering <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the side of the road. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I had to call Jen. I was like, my wife Jen. I was like, can you come and get me? No one's stopping. And she got there. I'm like, I wouldn't stop you. Look at you, for goodness sake. You're um, covered in blood. But, um, I'm yeah, thinking. That's, that's, that's my day job. I'm a cowboy. Well, I'm thinking rockumentary, Stuart. I'm thinking rockumentary, strap a GoPro, strap a GoPro to your cowboy hat and follow your escapades for a day. That would be quite a documentary. <laughs> be a lot of fun, wouldn't well, it? You know, it? Several people have attempted to do that or, or have suggested doing that. But um, nobody's followed through. Cause, yeah. Well, I'll, I send, I'll send you a GoPro. I mean, how hard is that? You just wear the camera. And it's 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 simple, isn't it? Really, at the end of the day, just just a bit, just yeah, a bit, just a bit of I, editing. I probably should because uh, just because it, it, it is kind of a bit bizarre. I, I, my life is a wonderful tangle of contradictions, to be honest. Because I, I have all my music stuff, and I have all the cowboy stuff, and none of that, none of those worlds ever meet. I mean, the people I work with on the ranch, I wouldn't actually want to introduce them to my music. <laughs> no, I don't think it'd probably go down too well. But you, you, you know, I was talking to, you, you must know, you must know the Chumba, the Chumbawamba lot over the years and cross paths with right, them. Right. Well, uh, I was talking to, to, to Danbert, this was quite a few uh, months ago, but Danbert is in uh, the far-flung reaches of Washington State and he's living a life much like yours, uh, except he's not in Larry. He's not in the desert. He's in, you know, he's in the Pacific Northwest. But he's living in the middle of flipping nowhere. Uh, and you know, so there's a displaced Yorkshireman and a displaced, Lan you know, Lan uh, you know, Lancashireman. Uh, right. Just, just bizarre. I mean, who'd have thought that Dambert would have ended up there and you'd have ended up in Arizona? Now, now does Jen have any wacky, wacky uh, vocations on the side? She's not, uh, you know, some part-time firewoman or something. What, does, 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 what? <laughs> no. Uh, no, she uh, she actually does a lot of online stuff for women's groups. Oh, right. Trying to help them sort out finances. She works with a lot of um, lots of lesbian women who need help filing stuff or people going through divorces. Oh, lovely. But basically, uh, basically, you know, women who who through no fault of their own have never had the opportunity to manage or have ever had to manage their own finances yes yeah so um so she she does a lot of work with with you know trying to trying to establish women's uh how, well, how can i say that? <laughs> well you know empowering women and, and providing them access for the services that they have every right to access right yeah, yeah exactly exactly so it's it's 
not necessarily they're not they don't know what they're entitled to or how That's to it. file things or you know all that kind of complicated stuff that I have no interest in but luckily my wife does well I, dinner times dinner times work. must present themselves with some pretty interesting banter so how was your day at work, love? Oh, I don't know. I just cut up several pairs of plums off some stairs. How did you do? Oh, I don't know. I just helped several several ladies. Oh, oh it must must be a must be a laugh a minute at your place. But um, <laughs> let's let's get away from testicles and back to pop music because I, I, I don't get to say that very often. Um, but what I was going to ask you was. You've done you've done a wonderful job. I was talking about the boutique uh, the boutique aspects of the label and the the, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, an evocative uh, emotion that you send out that, uh, that any record buyer loves. Uh, you, can, you can buy the physical stock, i.e. the vinyl, or, or, and uh, you know, people are checking out cassettes now for some bizarre reason. You and I both know, you and I both know vinyl never went away. I mean, it's obviously it's experiencing a resurgence. Um, but you know, you've done a, a wonderful job in terms of enveloping e-commerce and, and the web to be the primary vehicles for, uh, well, for, for preaching to the converted, i.e. older fans, but also showcasing your material to uh, hopefully a newer and younger fan base, but also doing the same thing with uh, artists that, of course, you're not involved with directly. So it, it's, it's a wonderful... Uh, uh, it's almost working in parallel. You, you're sticking to your guns in terms of vinyl, but you've really done a wonderful job of uh, not being a Luddite, essentially. You've enveloped the world of Bandcamp very, very nicely. And I was just wondering, in terms of sales, are, are you familiar with the, the sales numbers in terms of what record sells uh, percentage in vinyl versus digital? Is, is vinyl still outselling the digital for you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Actually, we, we sell hardly anything on Bandcamp. It's there, really. People will check out the stuff and then hopefully buy the physical yeah. record. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that seems to be the case. We, we actually don't... We get lots of plays and lots of embeds. Yes. But we, we don't actually get many sales at all, really, from Bandcamp. I mean, not, it's not a significant revenue for us, to be honest. Right, that's actually um, good. Good to hear. It's, it's more of a conduit to. It's more of a showcasing for them to go and buy the physical product, which is which is fair enough. But also, right. also, it's a great way to actually sort of, uh, uh, as opposed to browsing a physical record shop through the bins, uh, on on the Bandcamp page, you can kind of thumb through by scrolling to see what's available and uh, see see you know what the covers are like, etc. Because one thing that I love about uh, the the well. All of all of the, all of the work is that every every cover has some love behind it. I.e., uh, it's not just about the record; it's about the aesthetic as well. Right, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I grew up. I was a teenager during the eighties, so for me, my coming to age was seeing McCarthy and yeah. the Duchess of York when I was fifteen years old. And the first show I saw was. The Jesus and Mary Chain, and you know, I saw a lot of great classic bands in the eighties. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, which, and I definitely would buy seven-inch singles because that was how you checked out new bands. I mean, they were cheap enough back in the eighties that that was that was what you did. Yeah, oh, you... I've heard of this band. 
I read it in the magazine. Oh, I'll buy the single. It's only a quid fifty. But you know, now a seven-inch single is considered a bit of a luxury item, or even you know, a boutique kind of deliberately collectorish um, yeah. ideal. Like a hipster, yeah. hipster thing in terms of, and then we can talk about record store day till I'm blue in the teeth. But that kind of ex- exclusivity really winds me up. I, I'm the opposite. I love inclusivity. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because I think I, I possibly, because of my age, have a different view on what a seven-inch single should be, and I think that's what I'm, what's still ingrained in me when I'm trying to put records out. Although having said that, I am thinking about stopping doing seven-inch singles because they don't sell. We can't sell very many of them. So we were considering doing um, one-sided 12 inches because they're pretty much the same cost as pressing a seven-inch. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. one 10-inch uh, or 12-inch. So I think we're going to look into that because I think in terms of actually getting them physically distributed, what, what we found very recently in the last year has been that a lot of the distros that we work with all of a sudden they're like, no, we're not going to take any more of your seven inches. Huh. You got any LPs? So, um, and that's been a very recent thing. So we were trying to think, well, can we, can we actually do anything about this? You know, um, we're not selling seven inch singles all of a sudden, but um, maybe we should do some. 12-inch singles, and if, if you press a one-sided 12-inch single, half the ma- it's only half the mastering cost. That's you're right. getting one side plated. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of distribution, we'll see, because we haven't done it yet, but I was wondering if that would be any easier for us to actually physically get the records into a store, um, you know, throughout the state. So. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly worth looking at. I mean, because the 7-inch single... God love it. We all love it to death. But um, there's there, there still to this day, despite new pressing plants cropping up, uh, there's, there's still um, an outweighing of demand uh, versus the ability to press. Um, and, and I'm finding that 12s uh, are making a bit of a comeback in, in, in terms of, of, of what's been... Just look at the last record store day. There was just a litany of 10s and 12s out there. Not to say that there wasn't right. an absolute you know, an absolute glut of, uh, of, of sevens, but uh, it was nice. I bought, I bought some nice twelves, and even, you know, you can get one-sided laser etch too. You can get quite fancy, but and, and uh, even yeah. more collectible. So that might be something worth looking at, especially, you know, with, uh, with, with the coloured vinyl being, uh, being something that can be not so much a leverage, but it's just an, another, another pulling point for the collector, isn't it? Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we've considered all of, all of that stuff, and to be honest, we just want to keep making records and keep um, keep putting things out because um, you know even even we put a, a seven inch out by Sweet of Marks a couple of years ago. Yeah, and that it sold a lot, but we actually we didn't make any money on it because we sent the band twenty percent of the pressing. Blimey! So to physically send them over. To, you know, to the UK from here, the, the shipping was just insane. Oh yeah, that that would have been a loss, a loss leader for you, wouldn't it? That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it was it, it was great. You know, I love I love Sleep and Mods, and I'm very proud of 
proud of the fact that we were able to put a record out by them. Um, especially now, they're a really big band. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, you know, we put that record out, uh, let's see, two years ago, I think, maybe two and a half years ago. Yeah, the last year they've absolutely skyrocketed. And uh, yeah, you, you were in there right at the beginning. Right at the beginning, before yeah. be, before pretty, anyone... pretty, well, pretty close. It was uh, you know they they done they done an LP at that point. They done their, their first proper LP. It was a compilation. Yeah, the compilation LP. Yeah. Oh yes, I mean it was. Um, they've done a lot more since. And they've had you know top ten hits in the UK. Like they did that record with Prodigy, and that's right. I think that may have even got to number one. Right? I'm not sure, but. I don't even know how many unique selfies have a number one. That's, that's actually what I was going to good, good actually bring up. It's it's nowadays to get a number one. It's not like uh, it's not like Adam and the Ants in 1981 to sell. <laughs> it, you can exactly. you, you can see, yeah. be number one with just just you know low low single digit thousands, and which is kind of depressing, really. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and I don't think they have top of the pops anymore. I think that stopped a couple of years ago. Didn't I, it? I heard, I heard, and of course I could be. Uh, I could uh, be on the on on the wrong page here, but I did hear that that, that the the Bieber considering resurrecting it. I don't know how that would manifest itself uh, in the modern age. Um, in actual yeah. fact, I'd, I'd love to see it just remain where it is. To be frank, because I just don't think it could really translate uh, in in, uh, in in modern terms with lip syncing to uh, you know because that had a, that had a certain kind of charm to it, didn't it? Because you knew they were bloody lip syncing. You know, um, I don't think it would work because you wouldn't have John Peel or Jimmy Savile. That's so. it. Well, <laughs> you are the, the consummate Peel, Peel or paedophiles. It, it, it depends. But um, is, is, is that... Uh, actually, yeah, I guess that... Well, you know, Jimmy Savile, obviously, but... Uh, I well, they're, they're all under investigation. Everybody and anyone who works well, out, out of... Uh, out of... Um, the, the, the studio, or the old studios, it used to be right, right by uh, QPR's ground, didn't they, in uh, Shepherd's Bush? Um, oh, yeah, I mean, every every last man Jack there has been under investigation. It's, it's a terrible state of affairs. Wow. But I wanted That's to ask, I wanted to ask, so uh, I wanted to ask you because you, you've got uh, your finger on, on on several pulses, and I'm just wondering if, if uh, for the listenership, there's there any up and comings that that you think uh, we should be on 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 the lookout for, or uh, stay tuned to hear more about. Um, well, I've been um, definitely on a female-fronted punk and pop focus lately. So um, most of the records I've been listening to, we've been doing the Typical Girls series. Yes. Which, uh, and so I've always been particularly interested in female-fronted punk music in, in particular, but um, there's, there's so many great female-fronted punk bands Right now, I mean, gosh. Australia, Australia are chucking out a lot of music, aren't they? The Australians at the minute. Yeah, there's there's, there's so many. There was a big beat on on the line again just then. I'm not sure if you. No, I'm completely completely oblivious at this end, Stuart. Okay, well that's good because you cut out a little bit. But um, I think you were just asking me, uh, well, about Australian music. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of female-fronted Australian bands uh, that I'm super into right now. There's a band called School Damage mm-hmm. that's about to release a record on Chapter. 
There's a band called Cable Tide, um, who have just released an LP. They're great. Um, we put out a single by Bent, who yes. from Brisbane, and they're one of my favorite bands right now. And another band called Sus Cunt. Yeah, that was that was something that I got my hands on thanks to you this week. I was going to snag it anyway because you were tweeting the heck out of it. But that 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 is, that is a record. Well, you know, they have a nice sweary name, which uh, I think people are really <laughs> either confused or or really enthralled by the fact Whoa. that they have. I think at least at least defensive name. <laughs> at least morbidly curious because. The 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 out there the cover itself is is quite stark and it's just a typeface. It's like, all right, what's this? What's this lot about? But I tell you that the, the mattress springs, uh, uh, what well, EP is is is, is, oh, yeah. is that that is it? That's the thing of beauty. I listened to that about four times today. That is something that that, that I re and again Brisbane, Australia. That a lot of talent coming out of Brisbane. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And and banks are a pretty. Remarkable band in that um, I just think the way that they approach writing music is is different to other bands, and that's something that I was instantly drawn to. The guitar playing on that's just bonkers. I mean, it's very discordant, but it's somehow melodic at the same time. That's it. Um, it can't, yeah, yeah, it plugs, it plugs, but it doesn't it doesn't lose its grip, which is it, it, it pushes the envelope. I think is the the, the phrase I'm looking for. But you know, you know, yeah. also, also in in trawling trawling the site uh, over the last few days, I think it's a wonderful thing whereby you've got this uh, uh, the discography bundle. So you know, you can have an insta an insta label co co collection for less than a hundred US, which is phenomenal. Right. Yes. Exactly. I've not seen that um, very often at all. I think it's a wonderful idea. <laughs> yeah, and you know, occasionally people do do that. <laughs> They trust us. We have the taste. Well, well yeah. <laughs> well, you've worked. You've worked very hard to become a trusted curator, and that takes an awful lot of years, and uh, right. an, awful, an awful lot of time. <laughs> well, I've, I've got. To, I've got one last question for you, and it's comp well. We have spoken about uh, uh, everything from testicles to to, to steers, but uh, so this 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 actually doesn't sound as surreal as it normally would with the regular interview. And I mean that with, with, with the utmost respect. I've had a great time chatting. Is, is, let's just say conceivably we've, we've, got, we've got you up here in, in Canada and you're playing, you're playing in Ottawa and you're around my place and stick the kettle on and there's, there's, there's Stuart and Jen and make you a cup of tea and I bring out the magic biscuit tin. And this is especially poignant because you're a displaced Brit. So you, you'll be, you, I'm sure you'll be hankering for some, for some uh, intrinsically parochial biscuits. So, 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 the, so the question I have for you. Yeah. So, so, so the, the question is simple. It's a magic biscuit tin, and you can have whatever biscuit that tickles your fancy. What would you choose? From my youth, was that anything? No, you can choose any biscuit that tickles your fancy right, right now. What would you choose from the magic biscuit oh, tin? You know, right now, it's, yeah, a, a bourbon. Bourbon biscuit. This is bourbon. You take a bourbon. Okay, you take I a bourbon. One of them in years. Really? Because they're readily available. Yeah. They're readily available in Canada, so I'm have to have to ship you some down. So uh, I've, I've got this feature. It's called the Magic Biscuit Tin, and uh, you know I've been asking artists since the beginning of time. And I've got this wonderful spreadsheet uh, slash infographic that I've accrued with all these lovely 
detailed pictures of biscuits and, and the appropriate act right next to them. So I'll send you an updated uh, infographic of the magic biscuit thing in the next couple of days. In as All much... right, did, did anyone else choose a burger? Actually, I, I, while I've got you on the phone, I'll tell you who's in the Bourbon uh, category. If you just hang on a second and we can... Bourbon, uh... Bourbon. Well, what I get what, what I get confused with is, is do I know that person from my past in England or Canada? And sometimes it fries my little brain where I can't remember whether it was Fred Bloggs from grammar school or XYZ from goodness knows where. And I think as you get older too, I don't know if you're experiencing it, but my uh, there's a thing in the program where I've, I've almost got some kind of weekly amnesia that kicks in, like some short-term memory loss. Oh, I have that. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, I, I was talking. Yeah. I was talking to my son about it in in terms of you. You're halfway up a flight of stairs, and you, and, you, and you make that fatal mistake of actually stopping, and then forgetting whether you're going up or down. Right, right. Yeah, we've all done that. You know what I did earlier? I was cooking. I made a stir fry earlier, and I had a bottle of beer open, and I had a bottle of <laughs> a bottle of olive oil open next to it. Guess what I did while I was making a stir-fry? Oh, a nice healthy chug of olive oil. Lovely. Yes. <laughs> nice and refreshing. Well, I can tell you that with, with, with the Bourbon, you share, well, you're rubbing shoulders with Boz Bora, who's uh, Morris's guitarist, oh, wow. and uh, uh, Ray Sonic Hansen, the hypnotics. He, he, likes his, he likes his Bourbon. And so does Andrea from the Darling Buds. So you're in good company. No way, I'm a huge Darling Buds fan. Maybe I'll have to invite her over here. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, she was yeah, on the show. Uh, yeah, Andrew, and, Andrew was on the show a few weeks ago, and uh, what a lovely lady. Absolutely. I, ne I'd, never really, I'd never interviewed her before. She's obviously seen the Darling Buds a load of times, but she's just, uh, just a lovely person and just delighted to be back in some capacity making records because down at the Water Rats, there's a bit of a resurgence and all these bands that you haven't heard of since, since goodness knows when, like the House of Love and the Primitives, they're all playing these one-off gigs at the Water Rats, which is pretty right. cool. Pretty cool. So, so, the Primitives played in San Francisco last night. I oh, don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. No, I didn't realise you did it on the North American tour because I was actually, I'm, I'm talking to them. They're, they're actually the next interview. Uh, I've got an interview scheduled with them next weekend, so that probably will be when they're back home because they did say that this week they were rather busy and that would explain why. Yeah, they're playing three or four shows on the West Coast. So, um, the Primitives are the one band that we, the Boy Racer, covered, have, has covered more than any other band. We actually, <laughs> I That's... think we've recorded like maybe seven Primitive songs over the years, just because they're so much fun to play. And, uh, and we played a show, a Halloween party, a few years ago, and everybody had to pick a band and dress up and pretend to be them, and we pretended to be the primitives. Oh, so, did you? Who was Tracy Tracy? Not you, was it? In a wig? Uh, no. I, well, Jen has blonde hair, so she kind of got away. Oh, with easy. Good stuff. And we, I... both, we both sang them, but um, gosh, yes. I'm, I'm sincerely thrilled that those panels are still are back together and doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, the primitives. It, I was actually I was just so pleasantly surprised. The last two EPs have been fantastic, and the Darling Buds, yeah. their EP. And it, you know, granted, there are bands that are making their uh, their return of sorts 
who really shouldn't have really shouldn't have bothered, but not the bands that we've been talking about. I think they've been uh, very very welcome to welcome back into the fold. That's for sure. So yeah. you you you've been an absolute revelation, and I tell you, I, I, I'm I'm going to be thinking about you you on a horse with with, with a cowboy hat on and, and laughing all evening for the rest of the evening now because that's something I had no idea about. You are well, I said earlier, you you, you are a dark horse, Stuart. You certainly are, and. I'd, I'd, lo I'd like to thank you very much for your time and um, I'm looking forward to sharing the fruits of this interview with the, the listenership and uh, um, I've got actually I lied I've got one last question for you I'm just wondering okay. how about you how about you curate three songs for me to play instead of me picking I the songs yeah, oh, what, yeah yeah what, what okay. would you like me to play I will, I will do that I'll, I'll just record me talking about them and send you three songs is that all you need yeah, do that, and that'd be super personal because it'd be wonderful, I'll, I'll, and I'll and I'll do it around the interview because uh, usually what I do is I choose three three songs myself, but I think that uh, it'd be a lot of fun if you if you chose them and just a little blurb about them, and uh, it'll okay. add add a lot more fun to the whole mix. All right, I will do that. That is magic. Um, just, just anything like my favorite songs or no? I think th I think if, if you wouldn't mind uh, songs that. Uh, i.e. have you involved, whether you're on the record or it's on the label. So so just stuff that that, that is intrinsically uh, got the touch of you somewhere, whether it's on the record or, or on the label or behind the desk or whatever it might be. Fantastic. I will do that. And um, I'll go dig out a photo of me on the horse. Just oh. to well, if you do that, that'll, that'll be the flagship photo for the podcast. If you can get me a picture of a horse, that, that is going to be shared with the world and his wife. That's for sure. That's magic. So, so uh, I, I will, uh, I will wait to upload the show, which I'm recording tomorrow. And uh, upon receipt of your uh, wonderful three tracks that you're going to curate, I'll, uh, I'll send you an email when everything is ready to go. Fantastic! Wonderful. Well, it was lovely chatting with you. Yeah, lovely, lovely, to, lovely to talk to you as well. And, and uh, hopefully, one of these days, uh, our paths will cross properly. I hope so. You know, next time you're coming down to the Grand Canyon with the family, swing by. There's always a bed and there's always beer. In well, the bless your heart, and the same the same applies for Ottawa. So, uh, one of these one of these days, one of these days. So, in the interim, wonderful stuff. Take care of yourself, and I'll be in touch uh, in the next couple of days about the details of the posting and, of course, your uh, addition to uh, the Bourbon column. Fantastic. <laughs> I look forward to it. Magic. Take care of yourself. <laughs> All right, and you. Great Cheers. You. Bye. Well, that was long, detailed, and appropriately mental. I just uh, cannot shift an image of uh, Stuart riding horseback, uh, and I just have this terrible, terrible recurring uh, vision of... Uh, of uh, testicles bouncing all over the place. Um, but there was a lot of pop music uh, banter in there too, wasn't there? So uh, here's the last track that Stuart has curated. So enjoy this, and I'll be back. And I guess I should play a track by a blokey band now. Uh, I'm going to play a track by Crayola Summer. And Crayola isn't exactly your typical bloke by any means. Um, he has played in lots of bands over the years. And uh, I record in a band with him called The Safe Distance. And he also is the singer in the recently reformed A Witness, who were a, a 80s Ron Johnson band, very spiky, angular punk. And um, he also plays bass in The Great Leap Forward with members of Big Flame. And 
Oh, and his main band is Sarandon, who you may have heard of. But uh, anyway, uh, Crayola Summer was one of the first recording projects that he did that he recently revived. And we foolishly decided to release these songs split over a flexi disc, a cassette, and a CD. Because, um, well, I'm not quite sure where that came from, actually. But the flexi disc looks rather delightful on yummy red vinyl and uh, full colour sleeve, no expense spared. Well, no expense spared other than the fact it's a flexi disc and not a real record. But it's it's great. It very much suits the flexi format. It kind of sounds like the 40 Nice Bears on Acid. It's got that kind of lysergic, psychedelic C86 pop thing going on. And uh, I've only actually met Crayola in the flesh once, even though I have recorded several several records with him through the post. So that's the, the wonders of the internet. You can be in a band with anybody from anywhere in the whole wide world. But anyway, this is uh, the title track from the flexi-disc CD-cassette combination thing, and um, it's, it's quite wonderful. I hope you enjoy it, and uh, it's called I Know Who We Are.
all succinctly wrapped up beautifully this week's programme. Thanks for all your uh, help, Stuart. What a good laugh that was. I hope you enjoyed the programme, kids. Um, Nearperfectpitch.com. Please do spread the word with anybody and everybody you uh, deem worthy of having the same musical taste as yourselves. I'll be back next week with episode 44 and with a bit of luck talking to the primitives. All the best. Ta-ra.